Welcome to the Content Podcast, conversations with Silicon Valley's creatives. I'm Daniel Garcia, your host and the cultivator of Content Magazine, published by SV Creates. Hello, this is Alina. Today we talk with Alina Yen. She is the producer of a new podcast called Only in San Jose. Hey, Alina, this is Daniel. It's good to talk to you. Good to speak to you, too. Yeah, so... Now, you have uh, been working with Exhibition District for the last, what is it, three years or? Yeah, about three years. Yeah, about three years. a little over three years. Yeah. And so just recently, um, you've you've moved on from working with them. And now now what is your what are you doing? What's the what's the plan? Well, I am definitely taking a little break and kind of figuring out next steps and I think that's, you know, might be true for a lot of us, uh, yeah. what's next during this pandemic. And so currently I am working on uh, my own podcast called Only in San Jose. Cool. And it's a podcast about um, kind of democratizing and demystifying the civic participation process in San Jose. So what is it going to focus on? It's going to focus on um, a lot of politics, I imagine, right? Um, more of the process of how the city um, operates. And so Only in San Jose is about um, kind of breaking down the civic participation process in local government, a place that I believe is, you know, ground zero, systemic change. And on it, you'll hear um, a breakdown of specific city processes, policies and budgets and the like. And, um, you know, you should listen to it if you're looking to get more involved and be a part of you know, shaping what San Jose looks like. Our um, season one is kind of a call for heroes. It's a, a breakdown of council appointed boards, commissions and committees. And we're providing the when, where and how to best engage or join one. Awesome. That's cool. Now, is this something that's kind of like has kind of grown out of because you were doing Catalyze SV, right? And is, are yes. you still doing that? And is this part of kind of like an extension of that? Uh, I am no longer with uh, Catalyze SB, but I was a founding board member. And before that, I've always been very passionate about community engagement. And so this is kind of my um, all-in deep dive to really kind of committing to this passion and um, figuring out ways to get more people engaged as well as, you know, including myself. Yeah, that that's that's cool. So, where do you think you got this kind of um, interest and passion in um, kind of like bringing people into the the political democratic process? I think, um, well, it started, I would guess, in the design industry. I worked for about ten years in construction, engineering, and, and architecture of our built environment, mostly kind of like public infrastructure type projects. Yeah. And I've witnessed um, the importance of kind of making sure that you get the proper community engagement and feedback in order to design places that are equitable and useful and, you know, uh, meet the needs of the community. Yeah. And through the years of participating in that process and town halls and things like that, um, I started to kind of see that it wasn't very accessible. Like, you know, if you couldn't beat traffic and, you know, be at City Hall or, you know, your community center by 6 p.m., you know, you weren't really part of that conversation. 
And, you know, these places are being designed for for you and your kids and future generations. And so I think um, I really started to kind of pick up that we're missing a lot of voices. And I kind of want to experiment on ways to bring those voices to the table. And I thought a podcast would be helpful because it's you can listen to it anytime, anywhere and um, get informed and, you know, maybe get engaged on your own time. Yeah. Yeah, that that's cool. Yeah, it does seem that there are a lot of barriers. Um, you know, it, that you like, like you said, like the the time of the meetings and even the way that the meetings are structured aren't necessarily built for kind of like a ethnically diverse kind of crowd, right? I mean, you have to kind of own, almost be in a certain kind of culture in order even to be able to engage, right? Is that kind of what you're seeing? Yeah, you definitely have to have the time and um, a little bit of uh, figuring out the process on your own. You know, you have to go search the city website, find agendas and kind of break down and look up definitions and understand the process by yourself. And then show up and hopefully, you know, you can get in the queue and pare your down, pare down your question to two minutes. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's uh, it's. A long practice tradition of community engagement that I see, you know, a lot of potential for innovation. And I think now is definitely the time because of the pandemic and the shelter in place. We're all being kind of forced into that realm. And yeah. so I think there are definitely going to be new modes of community engagement emerging from this. And I definitely want to be a part of that conversation and a part of that advocacy for, you know, the, the people of San Jose. I don't want to necessarily be skeptical or anything like that, but I mean, I have gone to like neighborhood meetings and there has been building projects and, you know, housing projects that are coming in and, and there's been a promise from the builders that it's going to be uh, owner occupied. And then, you know, throughout the process, it kind of changes and it becomes, um, you know, available for rentals and all this kind of, and it totally changes after they've already committed. Um, so I'm a little skeptical <laughs> about like when you even are engaged in the process of how much really changes and how much, uh, you know, money talks in it and um, how much are these meetings, community meetings, giving kind of like the the appearance of, you know, like when someone says, oh, we want to hear what you're saying, but they're not really listening or willing to change. They're just make, trying to make you feel good that you were heard. Mm -hmm. So. Do you feel like there's some of that that is going on or how would you? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I think there are developers out there that use the community engagement process as a checklist. Yeah. And I think part of that is the way it's designed rather than it being all on the developer, or all on the city or all on the individual to get involved in their community. And I think if we worked together more to create a process where we could learn about the project and provide feedback in this timely manner that is also useful to the developer and yeah. city um, city staff so they can actually do something with that feedback that you know we can have a much more productive conversation but right now the way it is normally practiced is you show up there's a powerpoint presentation you have 30 minute q a and you do some post-it notes and sticky dots. And then after that, you know, that information doesn't really come back out to the public 
in a way that is accessible or easily, you know, understood. You know, if we could have a community engagement process that was more like DoorDash and you can see like, oh, comments received is being published on this date and fill out this Google Doc or survey and um, follow along more, have it be a little bit more transparent. And I think that could be a promising direction, but it also has to do with, you know, the infrastructure and cities across America right now, unfortunately, are struggling with budget cuts. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of work to be done. And I think projects do change. And sometimes you don't always get what you want. But it's also a learning process so that you can understand where you should be engaging earlier or, you know, presenting things in a different way. But I think it's worth it just to keep trying because that's, you know, that's how it's going to get better. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, I have to admit, like, on one hand, I feel like, okay, my voice needs to be heard. I have great ideas. How are they going to be implemented and changed? Then there's the other side of it, too, is like, you know what? I want my government to make the decisions for me. I don't want to take time from watching my Netflix and drinking my beer (laughs) to go down to the city hall uh, to do something. They should have my back. They should understand. So, I mean... What about that aspect of the whole like community engagement? Well, I think that is the kind of importance of making it an easier process to engage in so that it doesn't seem like such a burden or a chore or a trade-off. And, you know, once you participate in something and you're actually able to see your feedback manifest in like the physical realm and like see people enjoy this park or whatnot in a way that they couldn't have before if you didn't share your feedback. I think that would really drive people to uh, participate more. And I think the lack of interest is definitely giving the feedback and then not seeing it return to you in any way that is, you know, meaningful or identifiable. Right. Yeah. It just feels like you've spent time there for no purpose. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And that's disheartening. Definitely disheartening. Yeah. I've been to many community engagement meetings where I'm like, this is not engagement. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Well, th- and then there's the other aspect, though. If I'm a small business or a developer or and I'm trying to get permits, I'm trying to do this process, and then the cost and the time it takes, um, you know, because I, I know a lot of, and you do too, you know, a lot of smaller, mid-sized, you know, um, business owners and the process it takes them to even go through the city channels um, to get their business open, you know, costs them time, which costs them money. Um, And then if you have too much community engagement, everybody comes up with all these different viewpoints from, you know, every point of view, it kind of, you know, extends that process and then makes it frustrating to be a business owner, even trying to do something in town, right? I mean, yeah. How's that balance all work out in this wonderful democracy? <laughs> democracy. <laughs> well, I think um, that the more structured and intention you put into designing the process, that you will have a better outcome. And so, if you are just trying this for the first time, and you know the the feedback is um, not exactly what you need to inform your decisions, then you have to, it's your responsibility as the person soliciting that feedback to pose the question or, you know, the exercise in a way that 
you know, your community and these future patrons and residents um, can give you the right feedback. Like if you're very specific, this is just about everybody's favorite topic, parking. (laughs) And if you can give us feedback, keeping in mind that, you know, you only have X amount of dollars and X amount of weeks to get this through. Here's your like kit of parts. How would you arrange it, assemble it and, you know, and show us and share with us why you did it this way. But there's a lot of different exercises in in, in, uh, communication and engagement. Like, for example, at Catalyze SV, we did a planning roundtable discussion where we had our um, director of city planning, uh, Rosalind Huey, and uh, we had them on the stage at the improv. And it was a really nice sit down. We provided uh, dinner and people kind of um, weren't able to were able to engage and ask questions. And because they were on the stage of the improv, it was a little bit more lighthearted and fun and yeah. We can experiment with so many different, you know, ways. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Like, like definitely even the um, the venue and the platform and, you know, the Robert rules of orders, et cetera, would change kind of probably the communication and even the outcomes, right? I mean, if you're coming into City Hall, it feels very kind of stuffy. If there's police that are standing at the door, you know, I mean, that changes the whole dynamic too, so... Um, or, so that's kind of some of the things that you're talking about, bringing people together in kind of different settings for different types of conversations. Yeah. And, and that's like the, the whole um, actual principle of design. Like when you change certain details, you get a completely different outcome. And it could be just a stage or providing delicious food or a comfortable chair. And that improv experiment was a complete experiment. We didn't know how it was going to go, but we're like, well, let's, the whole point is to try something different and yeah. to see if it works better. And it did work better. Yeah, that's great. Did you, for your school and education, did you come from kind of like a design um, kind of background, interior design? or Because I, th- I believe you were with Anderson Brule for a while, weren't you? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Anderson Brule Architects. Yeah. 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 So I um, I started in construction and it was in water and wastewater treatment. And I started off as an assistant and um, in the estimating department. So I was in charge of helping to kind of put together the proposal documents and the budgets. And then from there, I moved into engineering, um, always in the proposal and business development realm. Yeah. And then I did the same uh, for Anderson Blay Architects. And just through observation of how designers design, and then through the lived experience of, of being a person who's like entered a very well-designed restaurant or a very not well-designed restaurant. Yeah. And, you know, um, for example, like you can walk into a hospital and if you're in an emergency, you want to be able to discern where the ER room is and go straight there. And yeah. wayfinding is a very important part of that. Like you don't want to go into a building and be confused. And so those are, lived experiences that I can draw from, from visiting a library or a park or attending, you know, a meeting and things like that. And yeah. so combining all of that is kind of how I developed my education around design. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. What would you say from your years with Exhibition District, working with a lot of different artists and kind of like bringing artists into um, kind of spaces and, um, how do you think that has helped kind of shaped your viewpoint even now as you get ready to do this podcast? 
Artists are um, very, very important, and um, they hold a special place in my heart. And I identify as a, a recovering artist. <laughs> <laughs> recovering artist. <laughs> yeah, recovering artist. Why recovering artist? What's the? Well, I I started. I had a knack for for drawing and poetry at a young age, but then I didn't really develop that skill. And then once I joined. Uh, exhibition district in local color being surrounded by artists you know 24 7 kind of help reignite that skill set that i kind of left behind and so that's why i identify as a recovering artist (laughs) (laughs) okay all right yeah but um i think they play a very important role in society you know they are the visual artists that help us see um you know our biggest dreams and you know wildest endeavors and especially now in the shelter in place what we're retreating to to keep us sane are the arts you know we're watching films reading books painting or you know indulging in a concert virtually and um, i think it's a very important part of the human condition to experience the arts and so in everything that I'm doing with a podcast, I'm trying to find opportunities to engage with artists. And so I uh, hired a local artist, Alyssa Lugent, and she um, is helping me with some of the design aspects of the logo, as well as the cover art for the podcast. Um, Before the pandemic, I was like, planning on printing t-shirts and like posters and having like collectible items that's on hold right now but um i'm still working on trying to engage uh local musicians to kind of do the the soundtrack and yeah all the fancy sound things that i'm not an expert at (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's cool okay so then let's move to uh the aspect of a podcast so have you done a podcast before have you ever done anything like that or No, brand new, brand new to podcasting. I have taken um, quite a few workshops. Uh, I took a workshop with Create TV as well as um, PRX um, out of Boston. And um, the podcast, Only in San Jose, was actually a um, Knight Foundation 880 Cities Emerging Champion Fellowship Grant. That's a mouthful. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that is. Yeah, that's good. So that's kind of given you the the runway to begin the project, right? Yes, yes. I've gotten a lot of support from Knight Foundation and PRX and Create TV, and it's been really invaluable to have those um, community resources to kind of like kick this off the ground. Yeah. And it's not as hard as I thought it was going to be. Um, most of it is just right now, at least, like switching completely to phone interviews and yeah. you know paring down the production costs and things like that. Yeah. So have you already started to do some interviews? I started some rough draft interviews and I am still working on um, the format, but I have a lot of the research done and it's just going to be a little bit different than what I had initially planned. Yeah, sure. Um, Well, can you... Can you talk about the format of what you were initially planning and what kind of you're now planning? Yeah. So initially, each commission, and I was focusing on the ones that had seats that were terming out or they are currently vacant. 
and I wanted to discuss um, the process of what they decide and how it impacts the daily lives of people who live in San Jose. And so I was going to do anecdotal stories for the first part of the podcast and then tie it into, you know, one or two commissions and how the decisions of that commission or committee has affected, you know, this person or business owner or artist sure, yeah. and kind of, you know, connect the dots yeah, and then go into um, how you can get involved and when applications are due and big picture thinking of what this commission is also um, capable of if, you know, we had different, more diverse, newer voices participating. Yeah, that sounds really cool. So that was the original plan or is that still kind of the plan? That was the original plan. So now I don't have the anecdotal stories. I have a few and so they're not all going to be in the same format. So some of them will have the stories and others um, will not. And it also depends on who I can get on the phone because the city is very busy and, you know, they're dealing with a lot right now. And so it will be part some of it might be just me talking about the process and what i've learned and then other parts will be like you know interviews yeah yeah so um i mean of course like everybody i mean the covid and the the shut-in has kind of changed what we're all doing for you um what has it kind of i don't know revealed uh not so much about work but just for you personally what have you been kind of going through through these last nine weeks, I think it is. (laughs) Yeah. um, I have discovered, I would say, new capacities and like expanded boundaries on my resilience and, you know, how important that skill is, if you can even call it that. Yeah. And, um, you know, resilience, I think, has also been a recurring theme during the shelter in place and and global pandemic. And uh, what I mean by that is, you know, we're seeing just how resilient or or not so resilient our global economy is, cities and local and national government and our planet even, you know, given, you know, some time off from the daily activities is really, you know, kind of coming back in this really beautiful way. And I just I see all of the life as we knew it kind of changed overnight, if you think about it, and is all being put to the test right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. What's been for you the kind of like the most difficult thing? Um, probably like where and how do we go on from here? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of businesses are, you know, thinking the same thing and as well as, you know, cities across America. And, and I'm, I feel like very much in that same boat. Like, how do I um, continue to serve my community in a meaningful way that is also, you know, touching on some of these immediate needs that we have. Yeah. And um, how do I make a living out of it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's the big thing. I mean, the the trickle down uh, aspect of the economic kind of shutdown is, is huge, you know, even for, yeah, even for the cities of what they're going to have to do to cut their budget just because of tax tax dollars you know yeah tax dollars and income from conferences and concerts like yeah yeah, i feel like we're definitely now in this like strange purgatory with a side of like light solitary confinement confinement (laughs) yeah yeah 
it's going to be um, very interesting in the next couple of years for sure. Yeah, 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 it is. It is now. So the podcast you're looking at to be um, uh, like a career, a paying gig for you, like a journalistic endeavor, or what was kind of the the plan? Are you doing it as like a nonprofit, or is it for profit, or pet project, or it is a fiscally sponsored um, project right now, and so. I am planning on just finishing season one and um, season two, I started to kind of play with the idea of maybe I'll break down the San Jose general 2040 plan. Oh yeah. The pretty important document. Yeah. Cool. And, um, but I'm just going to see how, how season one goes. And um, I want to see how it's received by people and, I want to hear their feedback and I really want to use that to inform the next phase. Yeah. And so I don't really have like a, a five-year plan because no one saw this coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It definitely changes things. Yeah. <laughs> and if, you know, anything about resilience, you just have to be adaptable. And so right now the focus is to put on a good production for season one, the best that I can. Yeah. And then um, wait for feedback and figure out where to go next from there. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So what have you learned about um, the podcast world in your time of investigating that and getting ready to, to launch? What's some things that you would, like a, a tidbit of advice you would give somebody who's in their garage or their basement like I am right now? <laughs> doing recording. <laughs> I'm in my closet right now. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. yeah, what's some... Uh, some advice that you would say or something that you found that kind of surprised you like, Oh, here's a, that's an interesting thing. I think the process of, of storytelling has always fascinated me and oral traditions of story uh, storytelling. Yeah. And I learned that without any fancy equipment you can, you can put on a podcast that meets, it might not sound the best sound quality wise, but if the content is good, people will listen to it. Yeah. And also the power of um, community support. You know, there are people who have very robust Patreon donors and, you know, this is their full-time job. Yeah. And um, what I've learned, I think, about this specific podcast journey that I've been on is what I'm doing and what I'm trying to accomplish. There's only so many other podcasts out there. Another great podcast that's a little bit similar, but more, um, I think, on the fly is LA Podcast. Okay. And so they, you know, they talk about their city council meetings and they have um, people uh, breaking down um, the policies and the budgets. So they have experts on their, uh, their host platform. Yeah. And, um, They've they've been doing a really really great job. I really like that podcast. Yeah, that's cool. What's yeah? What are some podcasts that you maybe not even in the same kind of genre that you're you're doing? But what's some podcasts that you kind of have, you know like and have kind of maybe even inspired you? I really like Revisionist History by Malcolm Gladwell. Oh yeah. And um, Project sixteen nineteen. Um, with the New York Times is a really good uh, story about um, kind of the start of America. 
Yeah. And and what we owe to the diversity of America. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for city city geeky stuff, I love um, I love LA podcasts, and I love uh, Go Cultivate by Verdunity. And um, those are my my two ones that I listen to the most. Yeah. Do you find yourself that you're gravitated to uh, podcasts that are very much kind of like on civic engagement and and um, like policy and politics? Is that kind of what you listen to, or do you do more of the entertainment, self help, storytelling? What do you kind of what's your podcast diet? My podcast diet is definitely uh, local government. That's my favorite topic is local government. Yeah. And I also enjoy history, um, interpretations and art history podcasts, as well as um, cooking. There was a cooking (laughs) one that I listened to. Yeah, (laughs) that's good. Yeah, that's good. That's cool. Yeah, I find like, you know, I'm not really... I'm not really into podcasts that much, mainly because I think I used to listen to them way more when I had more of a drive and a commute. But now that I'm riding my bike, pretty much, mm-hmm. well, now that I'm not going anywhere. But um, <laughs> so I wasn't really listening to any kind of, I wasn't listening to when I was going to, you know, work because I'm just riding my bike five minutes and it's, you know, I don't want my earbuds in, et cetera. So, but now that I'm kind of sheltered in place while I'm working, I've been listening to more and you know, the things that I, my vast interest, I would think, you know, like, oh, I'm going to listen to photography podcasts or, you know, comedy or something like that. But I ended up just listening to all these ones about magazines. I'm like super fascinated about the people who make independent magazines, right? And it's kind of fun, you know, to see like, oh, there are other crazy people (laughs) out there, you know? Yeah. That's cool. Totally. No, it's like a library. You know, you can you can find almost any topic. It's it's a relatively new industry made famous by cereal. And so it's not that old, but there's a lot of innovation and a lot of opportunities to tell stories that otherwise we don't really hear or is not represented on mainstream media. Yeah. So what about you? Do you have a, like a personal like a personal mission or purpose in which you kind of like frame your life and live by? Yes. And it's always shifting at the moment. I would say it's to wield with intention and wisdom and love all of the power and privileges that I have both acquired and been born into to create a more equitable, sustainable and you know, joyous community by all means at my disposal for, for, you know, generations of today and tomorrow, you know, like to me, I think that is a life well lived. Yeah. That's awesome. So for you, you see that you're in a position that has, um, privilege or responsibility or access, and then you want to help others, uh, gain that as well. Is that what I'm kind of hearing? Definitely. I want to enable and empower. That is, you know, if I, my superpower is just to give other people superpowers. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. So when could we um, look forward to the podcast launching? What's the what's the launch date? The launch date is the end of May in unspecified. It'll be a surprise, but it'll definitely (laughs) be in May. Okay, so it's in May, but you're not going to give an exact day. You're not going to say May 29th or something like that. No, not right now. I think we're kind of like all operating under our bootstraps and. Um, part of this, I also want to set 
you know, expectations of yeah. I'm, I'm figuring this out as I go. And yeah. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. That is not perfect, but I promise you it is coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, it's like when I decided to do this, I probably decided like on a Monday and then started calling up people on Tuesday. <laughs> so, but I, you know, yeah. I didn't plan anything. I don't like to do that. No. That's too But much. it's also, that's the creative process. You can't really plan it all out. It doesn't always go according to plan. And so I'm yeah. kind of just going with the flow. If you do want to learn more though, you can, I have a website and it's a, uh, www.onlyinsanjose.org. And that's where you're kind of giving updates about what's going on with the podcast and what the plan is going to be and the shows and season one um, coffee mugs and stuff like that. Yes. So that's going to be all on the website. And uh, prior to that, though, um, you know, the boards and commissions are accepting applications right now as we speak, which is May 12th. Um, And there's a lot of vacancies. Um, There is a total of, last I checked, 77 seats that are either vacant or terming out by June. And so that's a lot of opportunity for, you know, 77 brand new people to come and make their voice heard and, you know, take part in shaping their city. Yeah. And what are these positions exactly, the, the slots that you're talking about, and what do they kind of look like? They have, um, so there's a few seats opening up on the Arts Commission, which is very important. And, um, you know, that kind of discern, uh, determines, you know, the aesthetic of the city and, you know, who gets grants for which art projects. There are, I believe, um, a few seats on the Historic Commission, which yeah. decides, you know, what is our legacy as a city. Yeah. And there is the Planning Commission. Um, there's a bunch of commissions, and that will also be on the website so that people can peruse and um, figure it out um, to see what's best for them. And it's also on the City of San Jose's website. And these are all, these aren't um, elected positions. They're kind of appointed or invitation positions. How does that work to be one of the commissioners? They are appointed and they are appointed by council or sometimes by the mayor's office. Um, And the recruitment process is a combination of the city clerk as well as the commission staff and through council appointment. And so you send in your application and um, they contact you. Sometimes an interview might be involved. And um, you can also reach out to your local council member to ask about vacancies within your district because um, sometimes they will have district-specific seats. And then they also have, like, citywide seats. And there's also um, seats on certain boards um, where, you know, they're looking for a lawyer or somebody with um, early education experience on, like, the library uh, commission. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, that's a, don't they try to get somebody from each kind of district normally to be a part of the the teams or the commissions? Majority of the commissions, I would say that is the case. And then there are some where it's more specific to maybe businesses. Okay, and, like an industry um, of some sort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're shifting. I know that there's talk about making um, district seats kind of a, a thing for all commissions, but it's not for all commissions right now. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And some of them offer stipends. Yeah. Okay. Or for the meeting. So, you know, a few extra dollars in your pocket. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then let's do this. Uh, if only San Jose podcast starting at the end of the month for you, 
Um, what is something that you uh, really love about San Jose? I love the small town feel of San Jose, which is like, you know, we're the 10th largest city. Um, and yet it feels very small and quaint. And there are days when, you know, I was out um, in the public more. Uh, I couldn't really walk down the street without seeing somebody that I knew. And I kind of really, really like that. Yeah. And also within my neighborhood, I live um, with other people who are engaged in the community and it's really nice to kind of bump into them at the local you know corner of bodega store and um it has a really nice small town feel and it's really diverse i grew up on i was born and raised and grew up on the east side san jose and i love that side part of that part of town the yeah. food is amazing people are great and we have a lot of amazing parks as well cool awesome that's good well thank you for um talking with me and telling you a little telling us a little bit about your project and I'm excited and good luck with um, only San Jose and um, yeah and people can find that at it's is it only San Jose.com or why don't you tell us the... only in only in San Jose.org okay only in San Jose.org and also you can have social media of the same name yes and yeah the social media is only in SJ I know there's some some branding issues there but I'm working on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's always the thing that's like when I started to do content it was like oh like everything is taken you know but <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah cool well awesome thank you I really appreciate you uh, taking the time and we look forward to um, hearing the podcast and uh, being inspired and educated by what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to it as well. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Find out more about Elena Yen and her new podcast at onlyinsanjose.org. In addition to publishing content magazine, SV Creates also provides tools and resources for artists and arts organizations. From time to time, we'll be checking in with Alyssa to find out what's going on. Hey, Alyssa, how are you doing? Hey, Daniel. I wanted to let you know about an upcoming two-part webinar we have on leading others through change. It's May 21st and May 28th. We're doing it in partnership with Center for Excellence in Nonprofits. And you can find more information and links to register um, on our website at svcreates.org. Thank you for listening to the content podcast. Follow us on social media at Content Mag, and subscribe at content-magazine.com. This episode's music is by Sakura. You can follow her on Instagram.